0: I met Nabil in the spring of 2013. I had just started my master's degree at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Nabil was working on his first postdoctoral degree. I was on my way to Elsie's tavern and he was walking along Delavina Street when a friend pointed him out. I don't remember if we met at Elsie's that night, but we eventually would, over and over and over again. Elsie's felt like an extension of home. A living room with plenty of sofas on the inside, and a smoking patio to enjoy those nice California nights. Those are the two environments I remember Nabil in, living rooms and patios. He could effortlessly step in and out of any group, always smiling, ready to speak about any topic, always kind and interested in what you had to say. Rather than describing his personality and attempting to pinpoint what makes him so special, I'll share two brief anecdotes that encapsulate how I see him. A group of us were having a drink at Elsie's and suddenly decided it'd be fun to have a little night at the beach. We followed him home, went up to his room to get jackets, blankets, and all that, when I noticed a stack of algebra books on the floor. Something didn't add up. Why would somebody working on a postdoc in theoretical physics need algebra books? Why were they next to his bed? I brought this up in front of everybody, jokingly suggesting that he was a fraud, an impostor that had somehow managed to fool everybody by coming up with the most complex and elaborate lie one that no one would ever dare challenge, an MIT graduate that studied black holes. Trapped in a web of his own lies, he then went on to the local library and figured he'd start from square one, algebra. Nabil laughed, somewhat uncomfortably, and carried on. After seeing that I wasn't letting it go, he shyly admitted, well, I don't usually talk about this, but I volunteer as a math teacher on the weekends. On another occasion, in a bar in Portugal, with a view of a castle, a close friend confided. Nabil is probably the best person I met in Santa Barbara. Three or four years later, in a different bar, in a different city in Portugal, with a different circle of friends, and in front of a different castle, one of the people I just met mentioned Nabil. Nabil, Nabil Iqbal, you know him. You know him. I love Nabil. I met him in Scotland. My God, he's the sweetest, coolest person around. So here he is, smart, sweet, fun, humble, caring, and beloved by Portuguese people around the world, my friend, Nabil. This is Rich Chocolaty Goodness. Welcome to Rich Chocolaty Goodness. Thank you, Pedro. Um how are you, Namir? <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm good. I'm good. Uh how are how are you? Um uh, well, I I was doing pretty good until about 2 hours ago when we tried to get this started. <laughs> right, right. Well,
1: um I can understand that. You know, man, I think it's working. Should we do your counting thing? That that was a helpful diagnostic last time, right?
0: Yeah, only this time we'll do it a little bit more fun. Uh, so I'll say well you heard this in the other episode. I did, I did. I will say rich chocolatey goodness. As soon as I'm done, you say it too, and we keep going. All right. Okay. Rich chocolatey goodness.
1: Rich chocolatey goodness.
0: Rich chocolatey goodness.
1: Rich chocolatey goodness
0: rich chocolatey goodness
1: i missed the goodness but i'm assuming it was there rich chocolatey goodness
0: all right so okay i feel a little bit better now i was really in a, in a pissy <laughs> mood uh i haven't talked to you in a very very long time and i was excited and now we've just spent two hours uh, doing annoying stuff <laughs> right such is life how are you man
1: uh i'm for for the most part i'm good but like a lot of stuff happened over the last year actually it's been uh it's been an interesting year for me so it'll be it'll be nice to catch up but um but in the meantime you got married Uh, i guess that was a while ago now but i haven't really spoken to you since then
0: right so okay we'll go straight to that you were the only person that had a valid excuse to not come to my (laughs) wedding i see do you want to elaborate on the excuse because i'm very curious about that (laughs)
1: sure so if i recall correctly your wedding happened to coincide with this uh, physics school that i run in palestine roughly every year not just me that a bunch of us run in palestine and like each of these things is roughly a year in the making and there's like only one week that works for you know everybody so it's it was a big deal and could not be moved in any way so i had to i had to miss the wedding sadly
0: well, I used that email that you sent me to shame the other people that said they weren't <laughs> able to come. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. What? Are you teaching <laughs> physics in Palestine? To <laughs> uh, what, what were the other excuses you got? Uh, no money. I mean, that's a good excuse. <laughs> that's, that's a good excuse,
1: to be fair. I mean, that's a solid excuse. Paris is like far from, from much of the world. Yeah, yeah. That's a solid excuse. So how was it? How was the wedding? I kept getting emails about the crazy parties that were going to happen, you know, so uh, so I feel like I was almost a part of it.
0: It was very nice. I, I looked like shit in all of the pictures because uh, there was a good week and a half of solid partying. So by the time the the actual wedding happened, I looked very, very bad. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's like a smile in my eyes. Uh, <laughs>
1: That's the important thing, really. I mean, uh...
0: yeah. So we had two. We, what we did is that we separated family and friends because it was way too complicated. We didn't have money to be doing like offering a big thing for everybody. So in, we actually got married in April. And uh, that was just with the family. We ate. We did it all here in the neighborhood. And then we had like a little party inside the apartment. Okay. But then we had the wedding for friends, which is um, it's this house that an uncle has. It's like an old house. And we went over there and we cleaned up the barn. and. Uh, you know, just really did stuff ourselves. Not ourselves, everybody.
1: Right, right.
0: It was more the others than us. And just had like a good three, four days. Some people arrived two days before. Some people left three days after.
1: Nice, nice, man. That sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. Like in the middle of nowhere, just, uh, you know, so people were arriving in Paris. And every time somebody arrived, it was like the welcome committee. Like, yeah, let's go party, show them around. <laughs> and then the next day somebody else would arrive. Whoa, we need to show them around. <laughs> And then it just kept going and going and then we all traveled together to that other city and then we kept going there and then came back. Nice, man.
1: And how's, how's married life treating you?
0: Uh, very good. I don't know. That, that's a giant question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, There's no surprises, you know, there's nothing. Uh, okay. It's not okay. like, oh, shit, what did I do? Or I didn't think this was going to happen. I still do stupid shit. I'm wearing like a bear suit pajama right now, uh doing a podcast. <laughs> you know, I haven't been whipped into shape or anything like that.
1: <laughs> well thank God. Okay. I was worried I was worried briefly, but
0: But there's uh you know, there's things like uh that were not expected. Like it really did not expect the relationship to change at all. And it did a lot. And that was a very nice surprise. I see, I see. How how did it change? What would you what changed? Uh, I don't know. It just because we were both very much like, yeah, you know, we'll get married. You know, like it doesn't change who we are. But then, I don't know. It just felt really nice. Like we're building something together, even though we thought we already were before. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just having that little official thing. That's
1: kind of adorable, man. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah.
0: It's very nice. It's really this uh complicity and things and uh, like us against everybody, you included. Uh, (laughs) very good
1: excellent i'm glad i'm glad to provide a nemesis for you i think everyone needs a nemesis so
0: (laughs) well what about you so you last last i heard you were in amsterdam yeah that was a while ago and like an idiot i never visited (laughs) yes you missed your chance man um so
1: yeah so i was in amsterdam till about two years ago and i was doing this postdoc there like uh, i left santa barbara to do this postdoc in amsterdam at the university there and that was pretty awesome, honestly. Like Amsterdam is just like, it's like the most fun place to live ever. And it's like, it's not for the reasons that you think. I thought, you know everyone's like, oh, weed. But somehow that's, that's not really the point at all. It's just somehow amazing anyway. Because I guess there's people from all over and you like, the town is like adorable and cute and you ride bikes everywhere. And they, you know, it's, it's hard to, I'm not doing a good job explaining it, but it's just like, a, it's a wonderful place to live. So I had a super good time there. And then uh, I got this faculty job here in the UK. And so I moved to take this like two years ago. And since then, I've been trying to be like a mature, grown-up professor. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's super different, actually. Cool. Where where are you at? Uh, I'm at Durham University. Do you know it? It's like a university in the north of the UK. No, I know the name, but I don't right, you know. Right, right. Yeah, say, I, a I stupid question. Think... <laughs> it's good for physics. So I knew about it before. But um, it's like in the north. It's near Newcastle. So I live in Newcastle, actually, mm-hmm. um, where the coal used to come from. <laughs> but that's where I live now
0: cool you've been on this track for a long time it's different now that you're full faculty or... yeah I, I don't know it's um like first of all I didn't really realize that teaching is a lot of work you probably taught
1: already right you, you teach now or um I thought you listened to the last episode <laughs> uh, I did but you said that for a while you were teaching English and then you stopped doing that completely and then, but then you said you were getting back into it. I, I was confused where it ended up actually at the end of the last episode. So well,
0: I haven't. So I, I, as you know, I quit the the PhD. Were you around when I left, or did you leave before me? No, you were there at, you. at my. Weren't you there at my going away party? Uh, I can't remember. I can't.
1: I think we left roughly at the same time. I can't really remember. I remember I
0: being for- very drunk at Antonio's house, and I put the disco ball on my head, and I started spinning around.
1: No, I wasn't there for that. Right. that. That I wouldn't remember, I think. So I think I missed your going away party.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so I just have the master's. I never, I, I didn't do a, a PhD, so I can't teach. But when I came to France, I got hired as a lecturer. Yeah. So that's, I was teaching that. And yeah, then part of that. that was teaching uh, some master classes. Right. right. So I kind of got the chance to like sneak in and do something without having to get all the requirements first. But that's it. You can't do it more than two years.
1: Oh, so it's done. Okay. And so now, you, now you're now you working at the tech company or?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. It's, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just bleep it out just because I don't want, you know, any weird stuff, but I'm working at. Uh,
1: You're working. Oh, you're working at. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Nice. Okay. But, um, so, so, I mean, if you, if you lectured at master's level, you know this already, but I didn't realize how much work teaching is because I'd never like done it properly before. And that was like super overwhelming for like a solid year. I think like preparing lectures and shit just takes. It just took me forever. Like I don't know uh, if it takes everyone forever or not, but I had, like spent forever writing these things. So, um, so that was different.
0: But and then do you repeat courses? Like, is it easier now, or you still have? To- yeah, it's way. It's like completely different the
1: second time because I'm repeating the course, and also I'm not like as scared and like uh, confused all the time. So that helps a lot. Like uh, just having done it once before helps a lot. Also, like I think I didn't realize until being on this side how much of academia is just judging other people. Like, I feel like I do this continuously now. Like, I'm, on, you know, I help with admissions and then we like hire postdocs and I judge them. And, uh, you know, there's the exam season, which is just judging hundreds of undergrads, you know. And I think I wasn't on this side before. so I didn't realize that like 90 percent of academia is just judging other people. So that was also new. And somehow like, yes, it's hard to say, but it was somehow like emotionally very consuming because you go from like thinking it's very pure and you just figure out science and stuff. And then you realize, oh, OK, it's just all judging people in the end. So that
0: that was that was a surprise. Well, it's funny you say that because I used to have not about the judging because I never got there, but that thing about it being pure—that was my biggest complaint, like the disappointment of a grad school not being that pure pursuit of art that I thought it would be. But then I thought, like, oh, people in sciences don't have to deal with this.
1: <laughs> well, I think I got lucky for a long time. I mean, like, uh, for a lot, like my grad school, I think was kind of the pure pursuit of art in some sense, uh, and so were the postdocs more or less. But I think at some point. This is what happens, I guess. You don't go me wrong. It's still lots of fun. But like, uh, I, I didn't realize that so much of it is this until now. But on the other hand, teaching is, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's super fun as well. You know, the kids are kind of adorable. They're all super enthusiastic here. And uh, you're, I think you're meant to complain about the undergrads, but our undergrads, are, they're pretty good. Like, you know, I'm, I'm happy with their enthusiasm level, actually.
0: How old are your students?
1: Oh, uh, so I'm teaching a fourth-year course this time. I'm teaching one fourth-year course and one master's course. So they're like you know, 19, 20, 21, yeah, maybe a bit older, 20, 21, 22. And uh, yeah, I, I like them, actually. Maybe because they're a bit older, they sort of have figured out how things work. But uh, they're, they're pretty enthusiastic. They're, just, uh, they're very quiet in lectures. I think it might be a British thing. I'm not used to that. I'm used to like the rowdy American students.
0: Yeah, the Santa Barbara
1: guys showing up in pajamas. <laughs> (laughs) yeah exactly that kind of thing is more what i'm used to here they're very they're very dignified and everything you know so that took that took a while but overall the students are pretty great actually i like that part
0: cool are you still doing research or or is this your thing now
1: yeah 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 no i still am i still am i have my own phd student now um so i'm trying to do stuff with with my phd student and with other people
0: what uh well originally when i was thinking about the idea for this show. The plan was to just interview friends in academia and see what they were doing research on. Uh-huh. You know, because everybody wants to know about that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
1: <laughs> I think uh, I did. I miss that part from your your other friend that I one I listened to. I don't think I heard much about what he was doing. Did I?
0: Well, that's because I ended up changing the format a bit. Okay, it's more fun to talk about what's going on. You know, if the topic comes a. I'm just scared of asking you because I won't understand. But what are you doing? Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if you want, if you if you want to talk about that,
1: no, man. I, I love to. You know this. I love to talk about this stuff. So I guess mostly I work on black holes, and we talked about this, right, in Santa Barbara, that I study black holes mostly. Yes, um, it's, yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yes. So it remains hilarious, and uh, I, I study. I keep studying different kinds of things about black holes. So I think the the main problem is really simple, actually. It's that. Um, there's like a fundamental principle in the universe that you should never lose information. That should sound reasonable, right? Like yeah. uh, you should not to really destroy information. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that sounds cool. But in practice, you might think that um, that's just not true, right? Like, for example, if I close the Zencaster, you know, too early, we will lose this conversation. Right. Yes. Information will be lost forever, except not not really, because you know it's it's all through the internet, and you know maybe someone else was recording it. You know, it's not really supposed to be lost. Like if you take a book and you set it on fire, the the information looks like it's lost to us, but really it's not. You just have to sort of trace back the ashes and stuff like that, and and pull it back and see how they reassembled. And if you could do that, then you could reassemble the book, even if you burned the book. And so it's like a genuine principle that in life you shouldn't be able to destroy information. Now, the confusing thing is that black holes don't seem to work like that, because if you drop a book into a black hole, the information really seems like it's lost completely. And uh, that doesn't make any sense. And so what most of us are trying to do is figure out different aspects of that, try to understand what happens to the information that goes into the black hole. And uh, that's more or less what most of my research is trying to answer at some level or another. And uh, okay, I actually study different things that are supposed to answer that question. But that's like the underlying question that we're all trying to figure out.
0: All right, um, I'm not going to bother asking questions. <laughs> no, yeah. that was a that was a very good job on, on uh, dumbing it down. That was perfectly uh, understandable.
1: I don't think it was that. Yeah, you know, I don't think I dumbed anything down. This is the problem, and now, okay, no one knows how to solve it. So
0: ideas are welcome. But what the thing is that information is lost, or there's just no way of uh, of finding it.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I I, I skipped a crucial step which is that it turns out black holes very, very slowly radiate all their energy away and vanish eventually. This is, a, this is what Stephen Hawking is famous for, actually. Uh, he figured this out. So in other words, if you want to destroy the information in a book, what you should do is take the book, drop it into a black hole, and wait for a really long time. And the black hole will slowly radiate away all of its mass in radiation that seems to be completely featureless, and the information of your book will be gone forever. And that shouldn't be true, basically. But we don't know how to, how to solve this problem.
0: But doesn't the radiation still count as something else that's out there? Because it doesn't disappear. No, like it keeps...
1: Yeah, you're asking exactly the right questions, man. Um, so you would think so. But the truth is, it seems that there's no information in the radiation. Like the radiation is completely featureless. It doesn't change if you drop the book in. It doesn't carry any information about the book. That's what's different. If you burn the book, the pattern of the fire has information about what was on the pages. Mm-hmm. But if you drop the book into a black hole, the radiation seems to carry no information at all. And that's, that's the bit that's confusing.
0: So if you don't throw a book in, yeah, there's still radiation coming out. Yep, that's right. And if you throw the book in, same yep. radiation coming out. Pretty much the same. Yep, exactly. Ah. Exactly. So this is the issue.
1: And so Hawking actually, Stephen Hawking set this problem up like 40 years ago. And so far, no one has solved it yet, actually. And we all remain, I think we're confused at like a more sophisticated level now, but we're all pretty much confused still. So it's a, it's a nice problem, you know. How close are you <laughs> to, to, <laughs> solving to solving it? solving I think this d- depends on who you ask. Uh, I, think, I actually think we're really far from solving it, to be honest. I think that um, there's some basic thing that we don't understand about the combination of gravity and quantum mechanics and all the stuff that goes into this. And I think until we identify what that basic thing is, I think we will not solve it, actually. So I think we're really far from solving it at the moment. But I think that some... Profound new insight is going to come from solving it, actually. Once we solve this, we'll have learned something actually new about the way the world or the universe works.
0: But we're still pretty far, I think. Do you think there's a chance that you just... uh, I don't know how to express it, that there's just a chance that you're not able to perceive Like there's a reason there, but the same way that we can't see four dimensions, I mean, five dimensions, that there's something clearly out there where we just cannot perceive it Uh, through our calculation?
1: Right. Well, the thing is, I mean, you say we can't perceive five dimensions, but actually... Like, I can't visualize five dimensions. That's true. But I can write down formulas for five dimensions with no problem, actually. All right. So, you know, so the truth is, I think the, thing, the set of things that we can, we can sort of think about is, is much, much larger than the set of things that we can perceive in some intuitive way. And uh, I think that the, the key idea that's needed is something that we won't be able to perceive in an intuitive way. Like, I, honestly, man, like, four dimensions for me is impossible. Like, you know, the idea that space and time are the same thing. Uh, you know, I'm rapidly stuck. You know, I, I get confused intuitively really quickly. But the equations, you know, they, they let you let you describe things that you can't think about, if that makes sense. You can write down equations for things even if you can't imagine them. Uh, I think that that's the kind of thing that we're gonna to have to do for this problem. But honestly, I, I don't know if we're missing something really profound and really fundamental. It might be a really long time before we figure it out. I, I genuinely don't know. Like this this problem, actually, I don't have any idea where the solution is gonna come from. Like, okay, I have various things I'm working on. But it's, it could come from somewhere completely different, actually. So I don't really know.
0: Uh, going back to what you said about picturing different dimensions. Yeah. I, was able, like, I struggled with that a lot. And I remember, I, you know, this is none of my business to be trying to imagine this. So there was no point uh, stressing over it. <laughs> but you couldn't visualize four dimensions? But it really annoyed me that I couldn't. I <laughs> see. Okay. Yeah, or eight. I, well, I think I got it. Really, I think I found a way to imagine them, and it's uh it's this little short story that I wrote that a friend uh, is uh turning into a little comic book, really, but anyway, it's because there's this writer that I keep that that i'm that I'm studying, and he we live on the same street oh wow but he and he died nine months before I was born, so the, that's the way like I had this obsession that there was never any moment in which we coincided that's right despite the fact that so much in our life coincides, there was there was never any moment in which we shared the world. Wow. Despite being on the same street. So I figured that by going by measurements, like, all right, I am, uh, you know, one meter 96, uh, you know, waist size 32, shoe size, you know, like those are my dimensions.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And then if I added time, and I just imagine my life as just one, like if I took a long exposure photograph Yes. of me moving through life. So there that's another one of my properties, you know, this line that starts in Mexico and moves to the U.S. and then comes over to Paris.
1: Yes, 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 that's right.
0: So if somebody was able to see, like if there's a higher dimensional being.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Somebody that's able to see it would see me like that as a unit.
1: They would see your, they'd see your world volume, I guess. Uh, it's. Uh, something that's been like what, like thirty-five years, thirty-five years of age, and about like what, one two meters by by a hundred centimeters squared. But I guess you're right. That your world volume never intersected with the world volume of the other guy,
0: the writer. And that's where I figured. So then, the, in the next dimension, it should, doesn't it? Uh, do think? I think.
1: Sorry, but I don't. So okay, let's 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 be conservative. I think there's only three dimensions of space and one of time. And I hate to say this, but I think that your world volumes just never intersected in any of these uh, these four dimensions. I think, at least in it. the most conservative uh, in the most conservative imagining of of the space time of the universe, I think we just didn't. Because his, I mean, you know, your intuition is mostly correct. I think, like, his just ended nine months before uh, yours existed, so they just don't intersect. I think. Okay, let me try to make you feel a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, the the idea that one thing happened before another. That idea depends on your reference frame. For certain circumstances, you can, like if someone is moving past you, you might say that event A didn't happen before event B. Instead, event B happened before event A, blah, blah, blah. So you can, you can play around with them a little bit. So under certain circumstances, uh, you can mess around with the idea that you, know, you might have both existed at the same time or not. But... Um, Yeah, unfortunately, this might not be one of them.
0: I'm sorry, man. It's all right. It doesn't change anything. (laughs) I still feel I've disappointed you in some way. It's just, it's significant because of the fact that it was so close. That's the only thing. It was really, very close. Yeah, it was really very, very close indeed. Who is the writer? Julio Cortazar. Julio Cortazar. Oh,
1: oh, oh, I have
0: a book by him. Yeah. Okay. And there's so many, there's so many things that are like so many parallels. I see. Like the the place where he was, uh, where his name comes from. But you know, if you look for enough information on anything, you'll be able to find things that relate.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true.
0: You know, so if you want to write something about coincidences, it just depends on how much time you have, and you'll find them. Yeah. But in this case, they're really there. They're up there. <laughs> they're they're easy to find.
1: I see. So, um, I, I think I, I missed a little bit. Did, did you say you wrote a short story about visualizing the the fourth dimension, or that that Cortazar did?
0: Uh no I did
1: you did okay uh, I yeah didn't read this you should you should did this go anywhere or like is it is it readable or
0: um well it's in my in that drive document that I've been working on that will probably never be done or if it, <laughs> uh but I did separate it specifically and gave it to a friend who's doing it who's turning it into a a comic
1: oh nice nice very good in in what language is it in English or. In Spanish. In Spanish, okay. Makes sense.
0: Because it was... So, do you know... um, Oh, God. Here comes my French pronunciation. Uh, Le Comte de l'Autremont? No, I don't think so. It's uh, the chants of Maldoror? No, no. Afraid not. Well, well, he was a Uruguayan writer in the late 1800s who moved uh, to Paris. And uh, he was a big influence on the Surrealists. I see. So, the thing was that Cortázar seemed to have this thing where he was looking for him also. I see. And, you know, because he was the first Latin American writer. Even It's not exactly like right. that. It's oversimplified. But for the Latin American writers of the boom that were in Paris at that time, mm-hmm. he was the only reference, you know, like, oh, this is where uh, Isidore Ducasse was, uh, mm-hmm. used to be at. And um, my wife took me to this, uh, this French place, like traditional French cuisine, like very simple, big tables, big place. Uh-huh. Only like four items on the menu and it's just like buttery, you know, like simple French food that's been around forever. Yeah, yeah, right. And we went there and I wanted to, you know, experiment yeah. and I saw that they had brain. Okay. And uh, I've eaten brain tacos in Mexico. It's delicious. Yes. And then uh, and it, it was, um, oh man, what's the word? I know, uh, lamb. Lamb, and yeah. I, thought, like, I, I love lamb. Uh, <laughs> I love lamb. <laughs> And I thought, I just put those together, like lamb's good, brain's good, that's going to be good. And I ordered it, you know, but when you eat brain tacos in Mexico, it's, it just looks like any other meat. If nobody tells you it's brain, <laughs> yeah, you don't right. know. And here, like the guy shows up, like the waiter shows up with a disgusted face. And he looks at <laughs> me like, I wouldn't I would eat this. <laughs> and, <he puts laughs> <the brain in. laughs> and it's three whole brains on the on the plate. <laughs> Oh my god! Just Wait, a, and is it obviously a brain? Like it? it it's clearly—it's three brains covered in butter. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh god. So I put aside my plate of snails, <laughs> <laughs> and I like—I dig into the like. If my wife's looking at me, like, oh god, like you, you don't have to eat that. You can order something else. And I was like, well, you know, it looks weird. I know, yeah, but I've had brains before, and I liked it but it was tough it was tough to to get over it by the third brain i enjoyed it the first one was like but uh, but it's good anyway later while i was doing research yeah i was i'm reading the correspondence of Cortaza. Uh-huh. and he's writing a letter to a friend and he says he likes to walk around this neighborhood and he says he he says you know i found the house where uh, l'autremon used to where, where he died it's a restaurant now oh and i checked so I, I look for his active uh, certificate of death online, I yeah. found the address. I look for the address, and it's that restaurant. And Holy all of shit. a sudden, like all of these like thing combined, and it went from having like a gross experience of eating brains to this. I mean, that is exactly the atmosphere of, of that writer. You I know? see. I see. So to sit Holy down shit. in his That's house crazy. and eat three brains with knife and uh, knife and fork, it was just so that gave me the idea of like these three brains. I'm kind of taking a lot of liberty, including me in that list of three. <laughs> uh, so these three, three brains, uh, three Latin Americans, three uh, dimensions, and I was playing around with that, looking for the previous person, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Don't have the brains if you can, <laughs> if you come here. <laughs> right.
1: That's the thing I'll take away from this story. That's crazy. Yeah. That's ridiculous, actually. it's It's, I don't know. These things don't happen to me very much, I guess. But every time something like this happens, it feels amazing. You do feel connected, right? Like to other things.
0: Yeah, so, I feel connected all the time. But that's what I mean. It's about how much you you how much you look for it. Right. Right. Like, why do you say this doesn't? Because I didn't. I didn't know. Where this writer lived. I just we moved into this apartment. It was the first area we saw. I liked it. I had decided not to go do the whole pilgrimage where people go to his uh, grave and all that because he, you've read him, you know, it's all about coincidences. And so I said, no, no, I I know I'm gonna bump into him in one way or another. And uh, yeah, we just took a walk around the neighborhood, and I saw this plaque outside turning a street, and it's just like, wow, this is this is where he was. All right. That's it. That's the end of that. <laughs> There's a lot more coincidences, but uh, you're gonna restrain
1: yourself. Um, so overall, then Paris has been good to you. I guess you're liking it. Um,
0: y- yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, it <laughs> sounded question. vaguely, vaguely tortured. Um, uh, I love it. Okay, I love it. Okay, but it's just life is a little bit harder. It's a, it's a, it's a capital. There's a lot of competition all around. Right. right um, yeah. I like that it's a small city by American standards. Right. Right right uh so it's it's fun i really like it it took a while to make friends the the one thing that really this this is the conclusion i got to i don't know if it's if that's the real reason but people don't really hang out in big groups Mm. and that's one thing that's been really hard for me right right yeah Um, because you know we used to go like at the bar you don't have to make plans with one person it's kind of like yeah three four people go to the bar and you let other people know and it's easy to meet everybody yeah yeah And that's pretty hard to do here my explanation for that is space apartments are small the the terrace and the bars are small so people go out in small groups or one-on-one so you have to make bookings like oh you know i'm like i'm busy tomorrow but i could see you on wednesday you know right right it's not my type of hanging out but are you are you adapting are you changing to make it your type of hanging out or are you are you trying to change Parisian culture to suit you Well the thing is I don't I don't have any French friends right uh, directly I, there's all of the friends that I've met through uh, through my wife right right yeah But so a lot of the people also that I know also wish they had that so we try like last night we were at a house party it was a, a Serbian friend I don't know we were like 25 or 30 stuck in this tiny apartment Everybody's smoking inside, but it was fun. It was fun to be around right. that many people again. But I mean, that's a stupid complaint. You ask me a big question, and I people don't hang out.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But people like I don't know. The truth is, whenever I ask people about cities, I feel like no matter where they where they live, they they say this as a complaint about the city. Like, well, it's hard to meet people in X city because no one really hangs out in X city. Where you know, whatever city uh, you know, wherever they are, they say this. Like people say the same thing about Amsterdam. they say the same thing about London, and I wonder if it's just because we're at this age now when it's you know okay, this is stereotypical, I guess. But like people don't hang out at our age unless they tr- make a little bit of an effort, right? You don't just fall into it effortlessly. And I wonder. I know. If I missed that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I missed that too, man. This is like the biggest problem in my life in general. That uh, you know, <laughs> I, I move like every two years, and then. You know, sometimes I'm lucky. Like in Santa Barbara, I meet lots of cool people. Other places, I have to work a lot harder. But um, like
0: yeah, I miss that. That well, I mean, I guess that was the the advantage of having bars where a lot of people can go because you will always run into the same people. Like you didn't have to invite people out. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. you knew, or or maybe like at eleven or twelve, you'd be like, "Come on, we're here." Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in general, you knew you were gonna. If you go to a certain bar, you know you're gonna run into your friends, and 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 that's nice. But yeah, I miss that type of uh. I've talked this with a, about this with a lot of people. So yeah, yeah. But what's stupid is that everybody complains but nobody does anything about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know, I know, I know. Like it's just, a
0: universal complaint that no one. Yeah. Like I, I, like having like friends come over, just drink a beer and not talk. <laughs> you <laughs>
1: right. know, doesn't it doesn't, ha- yeah, it doesn't yeah. have
0: to be an event? Just uh, yeah, right, you know, yeah. check your mail, smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. No, I like that. That's
1: perfect. Yes. That's exactly that's exactly what I want from life. Yeah, people are coming over to drink a beer and not talk. Yeah, but somehow I feel like uh, okay, maybe I'm just doing this differently here. But like, it's uh, this is somehow not entirely acceptable, right? To invite someone, hey, come over, we're gonna hang out and not do anything. You know, only with your closest friends can you do this. I feel these days. Maybe maybe I'm making this up, but that's how I feel.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, poof, my my thing with friendships. That's another reason why this whole thing with the podcast came up because. You know, I lost all of my friends. I didn't lose them, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: It, it was tough at the beginning to go back to... Uh, I'm a very social guy. Uh, yeah, I, I
1: remember, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's strange to all of a sudden not have uh, people around and having a good time and all that. I started really missing people. Yeah. But then, you know, getting annoyed at the, the, the quality of interaction that we were having online... So this whole thing came up because I would like, I would spend a lot of time writing imaginary letters to friends, but then I, <laughs> I got see. too lazy and I didn't write them. <laughs> because you, you, never sent them?
1: You, you wrote the imaginary letters, but never made them
0: into real letters? No, I imagined them just like my, uh, just like a lot of the uh, texts that I never write. <laughs> Uh, I see, I see. Because it, it usually happens when I'm walking around the city, when I get uh, excited, uh, when I see something that makes me feel good and I yeah, think of yeah. somebody who would enjoy it and I have this imaginary dialogue with them and I think I should really, you know, write this down and send it to them. But then you don't do it because, I don't know, things to do, whatever, you get home, you're busy. And yeah. then I just start like, all right. I, but it's so stupid because just the idea of doing this podcast, yeah, like people actually schedule <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what has changed between us recording this and not recording it, but it forced it forced us to schedule a conversation.
1: That's right. That's right. No, I, I felt bad. It took me so long to schedule this, man. I, I you know it somehow it, like months went by before I could find it. This is just bullshit, obviously, right? I have loads of time to do things in principle, but
0: somehow it took forever when I could say
1: this weekend I'm here. You know?
0: No, no. I mean you 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 get a you get a blank check. You <laughs> get. I get a blank check. You're busy teaching ex- teaching in Palestine.
1: The bill of the good excuses.
0: Well oh, man, I just remember the the black holes uh thing because do you remember Andreas? Uh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I think I met you first, but we hadn't really talked a lot. Like I had seen yeah, you around. Yeah. But I became closer with Andreas. And I remember he was the first person I met that studied black holes. Right. You know, and I was thinking like, oh, I have a friend who's like an astrophysicist that studies (laughs) black holes. It's like a big deal. And then uh, we went uh, to that party, like Antonio's annual paella. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have you seen uh, that Mitchell and Webb look? It's a British uh, sketch show.
1: I don't think so. No. No, I haven't.
0: There's this this sketch where they're at a party, and there's this one guy who's just asking everybody, like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, <laughs> she- it's not exactly brain surgery. And then, and then they ask him, well, what do you do? I'm a brain surgeon. And he's just being smug and walking around. everybody like, oh, no, that's nice. That's nice. Well, it's not exactly <laughs> brain surgery, is it? And then one guy shows up, and, uh, and he's a rocket scientist. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right so i remember when, when i introduced you to i think it was i that introduced you because i was like hey uh, look Andreas, look here's another physicist and then like somebody talked said something about uh cern yeah. and Andreas like yeah yeah there's this great thing over at cern and you're all like oh yeah i designed that on a summer <laughs> program when i was a teenager <laughs> i was on the program that interface <laughs> um. What man. the hell, man?
1: <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I don't remember that exchange. But you remember programming that interface. I, 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 was, I, was, there, I was there as a teenager. That part is correct, yeah. Uh, but um, I don't remember what I said. I, I, I was a stupid intern. You know, I wrote some tiny piece of it. But that's true. Uh, I got to look up the sketch, man. Uh, it sounds funny. How is Andreas? Where is he now?
0: Uh, I don't... last time I saw him was at the wedding Uh, he was in Denmark in Copenhagen he had finished and he had decided to work doing some apps got tired of black holes (laughs) nice
1: okay okay
0: that's uh, you know that's where the money is apparently
1: that's where the money is apparently Yeah, so I'm told
0: that's the last I heard and uh, you know I'm going to try and get him on the show for the same reason because we don't talk and we should talk and the moment you create some sort of official thing and you work harder it's like oh I can't because I have this thing to do today from 2 to 4. But no, I haven't had any news for him in a while. It's going to be more than a year now.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: Wait, so are you staying
1: then? Um, so uh, am I staying? Uh, you know something, I'm, I'm not sure actually. Like um, various things happen that, that make life very complicated. Like so my girlfriend, she mostly lives in Amsterdam now. And we're trying to figure this out and it's super difficult because there's not really like good jobs for he- her here in like the Newcastle area. There's not like a huge amount of stuff outside the university, but nothing. She's basically not too excited about moving to the north of England. Let's put it that way. So I'm not sure, actually. I like the job here, but I don't really know if I want to stay here forever. So it's complicated. I miss, some, I miss living in a proper city, like a, a crowded place. But somehow I miss that. Life is easier here, but I think I, I miss having a more difficult life with more crowds around, if that makes sense. <laughs> not without that explanation, but yes <laughs> okay, it's a terrible explanation, but you know what I mean right? like I mean, like for the like for the first time i I make enough money here, uh, and the cost of living is low enough that I have like a a reasonable apartment, you know, it's like it's got like a size, the living room is a living room, it's different from the kitchen, you know, it's like it's not just one room, and this is nice, but still, I think
0: uh yeah, yeah, I miss big cities, yeah, you really you pay the price to be in the city, not the yeah, just live yeah. in a tiny, tiny spot, but it's worth it. I don't right. I don't every time um, we have these friends um, in Brest, like uh, it's like the yeah. the edge of the world. They call it uh, in France. And every time we go there, it's like, oh, man, they have a big house. It'd be so nice. Have some chickens, whole different type of life. <laughs> yeah. Every time the second I get out of the train, you know, I get it H- here. I hear the smell of piss, all the sound of the people yeah. running over it's like, yeah, yeah, it's alive. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Every time I go
1: back to Amsterdam to visit, um, to visit my girlfriend, I I get out from the train station. And you've been to Amsterdam, right? No, at some point. No, 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 never. No, man. Okay, okay. We all right. I'm, I'm there often. We'll, we'll figure this out at some point. You'll visit. But like the, the area outside the train station is not really nice in any way. I mean, it's just a thing. It's there. But you get out and you somehow there's something. You know, it's it's noisy and it's full of tourists and it's very loud. And the trams, somehow a billion tram lines intersect at one point somehow. And it's extremely like stupid, really. But still, I love it every time. Like you said, it's alive. That's exactly the right, the right thing to say. So yeah,
0: no, I feel you, man. Uh, I miss that. So what, what would you do? Or you could look specifically for Amsterdam or just shop around for work at a town?
1: Uh, I really like Amsterdam. I'm shopping around a little bit. But like, it's, it's tough. Like There's just not too many faculty jobs. So that, that constrains things a lot, actually. And like various other things happened this year that sort of gave me perspective, which just makes it very hard to make decisions about anything. Did I tell you about any of this stuff? I can't remember. Probably not. Should Mm. I tell you what happened in the last year? Uh, Yes, please. Because I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, this is mostly having to do with my family. So uh, my, my dad, I forget how much we talked about my family ever, but like my dad is an author in Bangladesh. He's pretty well known, actually. He writes like books for mostly books for young people, but he also writes a column in a newspaper. He's sort of well-known as someone who says things against Islamic fundamentalism and stuff like that. You know, re- very reasonable things, nothing, nothing radical. He just says, you know, it is bad to be an Islamic fundamentalist, you know, things like that. But uh, what happened was someone tried to kill him while he was standing on a stage. Some guy came up behind him uh, at an event and stabbed him in the back, literally, with a knife. And, uh, and he's okay now, but it was very scary you know, it could, have, it could have been really, really bad, actually. Like, uh, yeah, somehow the guy stabbed him and didn't hit anything important. And he cut him on, like, the head and on the back, but he didn't hit any important blood vessels. And so my dad is completely fine after this. But somehow this, this sort of left some sort of strong impression on me about the, you know, like, he was, he was out for a couple of days and he was in the hospital and, you know, we were all freaking out. But ultimately he was fine but somehow the, the person who was most freaked out, I think was me because I was away in, in England when all this was happening. And so I was just like following this on the news. And like my sister would call me like once every couple hours to tell me what was happening. And somehow this left me with this, this, um, impression about the frailty of life. Like, you know, if it had been like an an inch either way, like he'd just be dead. And somehow, sorry, I've been babbling for a long time. No, no, but, no, no, no. But, um, somehow it was very it was very dramatic and i feel that somehow i've been changed by this in some way that i can't articulate like i just things this sounds stupid but things just seem pointless often like i'm like this is this is silly you know in the world people's fathers are stabbed and nearly die (laughs) surely it is pointless you know like you know this just hits me and just it's crippling actually like you don't you it's this useless information right the fact that that happened doesn't mean that that whatever thing i'm trying to decide is
0: pointless but at the same time, it does, right? You, you know, you, I don't know if I'm making any sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. Especially because you, like, you work in such an abstract field. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can imagine abstract. you, like, preparing class and then, uh, does that mean that you're thinking about, like, starting a new life, having a bunch of kids and making a band and travel the world? Or, or <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be honest, the, the thing that I sort of took away from this was,
1: before this, I was kind of like, at some point, I want to settle down and have kids and have a family. And after this, I'm like, shit, this has to be now. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I could just die. Someone could kill me. You know, and this is, this is not completely, you know, this is sort of ridiculous. But somehow that, that impression has, has what stayed, you know. Uh, I don't, I think I'm, I'm not going to do the band thing, but suddenly now I want to just work on that part the part of having a family and kids and somehow building something stable that exists. Somehow that's what I've taken away from this. I don't really know why. That doesn't, it's not necessarily. The obvious but somehow this is what's changed in me after this experience and it's uh it's strange yeah I don't, I don't know why that's what's happened i should mention that in all of this like my dad is the least affected of all <laughs> like he was in the hospital for a few days but like it's over and now he like jokes about it all the time and it's just it's weird like i i went back i was really stressed out i went back to taka as soon as i could by the time i got there he was already out of the hospital. And, you know, he was completely fine. You know, when I visited, we just would hang around the house and do the same shit we always did. He had like a bandage on his hand because that was the only part that the cut was like it was a little bit more serious in his hand. Everywhere else was they already took the bandages off and he was totally fine. Somehow it's only me in my family who has been uh, affected by this. Everyone else was there. And I guess they could somehow follow what was happening and know that it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, somehow I, I have this first world. Uh, oh, my God you know everything is different now uh impression from this
0: yeah i guess the distance the distance would amplify that the fact that you weren't there but your dad has a yeah. uh, he has a free joke for the rest of his life like <laughs> any negotiation or something <laughs> you're not gonna stab me in the back now are you <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly i think mean, the weirdest thing is he says stuff like this and everyone laughs, <laughs> so like ha, ha, ha. And like you know and and like and I laugh too, but I'm like at the same time. I mean, this did happen, you know. Like, it's uh, it's weird. So um, well, that's good. That I mean, the yeah, most anyways. drastic
0: thing that came out of this was you wanting to have kids. That sounds very nice. Yeah, yeah. Honestly,
1: like, now we're we're super lucky. Like, the truth is, this kind of thing happens a lot, and people, I mean, people die. We got extremely, extremely lucky because the guy was incompetent, thankfully. <laughs> <you>. um, yeah,
0: <laughs> this, is, this is what I often think about. I mean, I yeah. Anyway. Yeah so I didn't I didn't know um I think you posted something cuz you you tend to go on and off Facebook.
1: Yeah, I don't do much on Facebook, but um when this happened like a lot of people wrote to me and I felt like, you know, I should write something saying to, you know, everyone saying he's fine, everything's okay. And uh, my sister actually wrote a nice article about the whole thing cuz I think a lot of people were worried that my family would like leave the country or something and I read My sister that. wrote a nice article in English saying. oh, Did you read that? Okay, okay, right, right. Yeah, so I thought that was nice I'm like,
0: I wanted like to share that. So I had no idea that that your dad was a was a writer. Like it was just this whole thing that right. I mean, it's really stupid you have to be somebody's son. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't usually sit around yeah. trying to think about what my friends' parents do.
1: Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't come up, right?
0: But when I when I read yeah. that and I saw that your dad uh, was a writer, it kind of like like the pieces fell into place. It's like, "Oh, this explains a lot about about Nabeel. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, because you, I mean, uh, you're like a very cool guy, which is not uh, <laughs> I would say it's not the norm among the okay. black hole <laughs> 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 People have black holes. I you. think uh, I know the only two you and Andreas. <laughs> 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 thank you
1: thank you Pedro you're probably you're probably doing the community a bit of a disservice but it's okay I'll, t- I'll take it yeah I'll, I'll take it you know, I'm not uh, saying
0: there's bad people I'm just saying like in terms of yeah. like uh, that, you know like you're very fun to hang around with and uh, you're not yeah. you're not impaired socially by the fact that you are smart. I, I, I try f- not to be uh, <laughs> and I don't know it just kind of made sense when I imagined like when I read about your dad and the things he'd done it's like oh seems like a very well-rounded guy seems like he had a nice structure at home
1: yeah, no, my, my parents are great. Yeah, they're they're well rounded people, and uh, I think they impressed upon me that it's not okay to be completely unable to communicate with people just because you like equations. So uh, maybe that maybe that was important. Well,
0: remember there was that that party you had at your place in Santa Barbara. It was the Madman Party. Oh yeah, that's right. I do remember that party. Yes, that was that was a good one. I don't know uh, if it was that one or if it was a housewarming party. I don't know how many parties there were there, but yeah. a lot of your friends were there. I think the like other physics friends, and it was just yeah. like. Shocking because that's the cartoon type of person that in my head you should be, you know. <laughs> and I really don't want to sound like a, like an ass because they they were all very nice and and they were, they were all very nice. Yeah, they were all very nice. They were like yeah. 25 and doing their postdocs, like just fucking brilliant people, but lacking socially. But at the same time, it's just like it's like all right, we're done, we finished everything, and now we can start with this giant paycheck from our postdoc. So it's smart. <laughs> Um, but you yeah, just didn't I fit guess. in that.
1: I guess
0: in that circle.
1: But um. But no, anyway. Thank you. I'm glad you think that I can function socially.
0: <laughs> well, somehow the compliment ended up sounding what I could insult. <laughs> <laughs> everybody you know. Nabil, it, everybody it, you know.
1: Everybody sucks. <laughs> no, no one can communicate. Yes. <laughs> no but um in any case and i oh, sorry i should tell you one more thing that happened in the in the last year actually um which is that uh my sister had a baby and uh that was just that was just nice you know that was just nice. That that was a big deal because, uh, you know, somehow it's it's this is this is a bit more stereotypical, I guess. It's everyone's kid, everyone's siblings have children. He came a bit early. It was a bit. It was a bit touch and go. I think people think maybe because of the stress, because she was pregnant when this thing happened with my dad, Ooh. and there was some stuff that they were like, "You should take it very easy. Don't do anything stressful." Uh, because there, you know, there were some various things wrong. I said, just don't do anything stressful at all. Just take it extremely easy. And she was like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to stay at home and not do anything. And then the next day, this thing happened with my dad. Ooh. So she was she was extremely stressed, and uh, she had her kid like like about two months early. And uh, that that could be really bad, right? That's extremely premature. But somehow everything was fine in the end. But I feel like we the family came through a series of like you know near you know near disasters, but somehow we came through it okay. And, uh, and this is just nice. I don't know. Do you do you have nieces and nephews, Pedro? Or I don't even know this. About you. <laughs> uh,
0: no, and I never will. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. But you've interacted with babies, or uh... yes, and I don't, I don't. It does nothing. It does nothing to me. <laughs> it's like right. I, I, hold like yeah. I don't know how to hold like a. Uh... Yeah, there's all that. Yeah. But it's um... because it's not like it's never been related to me, and I'm not big on my family. So right, right. I okay. think I have some sort of like a uh, antivirus <laughs> against that. In- <laughs> You're inoculated. Um, yeah. But at the same time, so, uh, I, but- I am very excited about having kids. Like, it is something I think about often. It's just, I don't get That's excited. Right. You said in
1: me. the last podcast. Yeah.
0: You said in the last podcast that this is something that you're thinking about often. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, sometimes, like, kids on the street, like, you see little kids playing around, and I find that a lot more cute than I used to uh, three years ago, four years ago. But still, you know, it's like, ah, look at those little rascals. <laughs> but it's not like, oh, I want to hold that baby close to me. Like, Bleh. Uh, All right. <laughs> not there yet. But I, I was surprised how much I enjoy
1: spending time with my nephew. Actually, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's like partially related to me. I don't know. But I was surprised. I, I kind of thought that this was not going to be like a big deal for me. But somehow it is. Like you know, it's weird. Like I spent like a month with him in Bangladesh over winter, and I actually miss him. You know, isn't that that? That's it doesn't weird. make that much sense, right? It's weird, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, like we didn't really talk. You know, we, you know, <laughs> like, our interactions were quite limited. You know, I got him like the baby's guide to quantum mechanics, of course, and read it to <laughs> him. But like, but you know, I mean, I'm not sure he got it. You know, I, it's not it's not clear he followed all the finer points. But still, somehow, I, I miss him. And this is this is again different. So yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just becoming becoming old. But but no, I miss I miss the guy a lot.
0: Could you perceive a personality or something? Because you know, some people like it's something I hadn't thought about until I heard some friends having kids and they yeah. talk about like, oh, he's very much like this. He's like that. And I'm just it's just a baby.
1: well you see that's the thing yeah i do perceive a personality i mean the fact that it's of course he's just a baby he doesn't seem to like he doesn't like have interest in music and literature yet but he, he does have a personality maybe if you only see one or two babies then it's hard to tell whether this is this baby or just all babies are like this but like for example anytime you read anything to him he's happy what else does he do he likes blocks he likes to put them on top of each other He's scared of cats. If anyone makes a a meow sound near him, he freaks out. I don't know why. Um, But these are just little quirks in his... You know, his brain is limited. It doesn't do much yet. But you can see how the beginnings of personality are forming, right? Like these things eventually become, you know, actual personality. So yeah, I I think I can perceive a personality. Uh, Which again, surprises me because I always thought babies are babies. So this is a new experience for me.
0: Do you think that some sort of like evolutionary thing tricking you into thinking this or do you think Oh, think definitely this? yeah of course but like i mean come on like most of what
1: we do i think is like some sort of evolutionary thing tricking me into thinking something right like i don't know i think I, that to me that doesn't you know like being in love with your wife or your girlfriend i mean this is such a beautiful thing but surely it's also an evolutionary thing tricking you into being a, a stable provider or whatever right i mean you know these these things can simultaneously be true i feel
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just I, I always like asking scientists that. Like, I'm always curious about whether people can turn it off, or or <laughs> have them or have him coexist. Right. Some people choose yeah. to not think about it; they turn it off, and others can just have both. Like, yeah, I don't care. I like uh-huh. I like the magic trick. Right, right. I see. Um, okay, I was thinking we're gonna wrap it up because you have to clean, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I, <laughs> I do. was thinking about the. <laughs> I
0: what, when you were talking about uh, information disappearing and I have this, um, it's not the same, but it reminded me of this. So when I met my wife, I was using this, um, you saw me. I like to take pictures. I have my old, uh, film camera. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had bought this type of film that is no longer, you, you can no longer develop it like the chemicals for that no longer exist. I see. So there's, there used to be three processes that you could use to develop. and uh, now there's only two. And I had bought that film and I just, I was starting, I didn't know, and I bought it and I put it in. And then somebody told me like, you'll never be able to develop that stuff. And it became like this, wow like kind of like this uh, Zen garden idea that I could have just taken out the role and thrown it away because it was useless. And instead I kept Mm -hmm. it and I used it just as I would any other camera, any other role, you know, I wouldn't take the picture unless I felt it was perfect unless I felt I wanted to take it. And that's the first weekend I had with who was now my wife. I didn't know that at the time. Oh, wow. And I have that role. And and I love having it because it's some sort of a, I mean, now we go into technology and how things can disappear. It's there, but it's not. And we might never be able to see it. And I have, that's our yeah. first weekend and it's there.
1: That's a, that's amazing, man. That is an amazing story. It's extremely literary. It seems, it seems too good almost. Um, it's a lie. No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, this is something like i told her <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not not what i was
0: implying but um, but what are you going to do are you going to try to develop it ever or are you going to keep it as a role so i know that there's some people that have, online that have figured out a way to do with with oil, like something with would you use instant coffee but you develop it as black and white mm-hmm. uh and when i was taking those pictures i imagined them in color right so i don't i don't want to do that you know, the only yeah, way right. I would develop them is if somehow the chemicals came back and uh, I could develop it in color. But even then, I wouldn't know. And then after that, like that got me thinking about that. And it's kind of the way that's what's happening with the podcast. I have these recordings. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they're ever going to go out. I see. And but that kind of changes the way you approach it. Mm-hmm. I haven't developed any of my films like in a while either. And I just have the. Right, right. But you still take the care to make yeah. sure it's a good picture. And then, like right now, after my, my uh, wife's uh, parents, they just uh, sold their house. They were getting rid of a lot of stuff, and I'm i I'm like a, I'm a hoarder. And I was like, "Wow, look at all those uh, floppy disks! Can I have them? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll figure out something cool to do with them." <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like they, they looked at me like um, a fucking weirdo, and they gave them to me. So here in my desk, in my hand right now, uh-huh. right there, is a floppy yeah. disk that says uh, yeah. Poems, Francois, and that's uh, my wife's uh, dad. So I have this diskette, this floppy disk. I'm never gonna take the, oh, the time to get it, but I like the idea that it's there, like there's poetry yeah. in here from my father-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. That once yeah. disk players uh, of this kind disappear, the information's there. It will be
1: there. utterly inaccessible, yeah. It will be completely inaccessible forever.
0: And that thing that wraps it up with the black holes and uh, all that. <laughs> It does, actually. Yeah, there's there's a nice parallel there. I like this. I like this. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if you heard the, in the other episode. Normally, what I would try to do is that as we we're talking, I take notes of the things yeah. we're doing and I try to come up with a title, you know, a title for the episode. Right. Yeah, yeah. But in your yeah, case, yeah. I had one already. And I'll tell one last story. Um, okay. So this says 2000 September 2014, you left me a review on my profile on couchsurfing.
1: Yes, that's right. I did. I did do that. And it
0: really touched me, and I have it here. I'm going to read it out loud. Uh, It (laughs) says, I met Pedro while we both lived in Santa Barbara in California. He is a delightful man, a student of literature, the initiator of countless indescribably fun nights, always full of conversation that flickered effortlessly from the hilarious to the profound. I miss him dearly, and anyone who has a chance to hang out with him should do so. And that was like the best advertisement I could have ever asked for. <laughs> that was, it really touched me. Right. Like two years later, when I, when I was here and I was teaching, uh, I assigned the, the, the Great Gatsby. And I oh. came upon this line, and it just like, I, I could never express why, like, why when you left that review, I felt so, it said more about you than me, and it made me feel so good. And when I got to this part of the Great Gatsby, it made me think of you. This is the first okay. time where he finally meets him and knows that it's him. Okay. Uh, he smiled understandingly, much more than understandingly. It was one of those rare smiles with a quality of eternal reassurance in it that you may come across four or five times in life. It faced or seemed to face the whole eternal world for an instant and then concentrated on you with an irresistible prejudice in your favor. It understood you just so far as you wanted it to be understood believed in you as you would like to believe in yourself, and assured you that it had precisely the impression of you that, at your best, you hope to convey. And when I read that, it was just like, it just made me thought of you. So this episode will be the great Iqbal.
1: <laughs> oh my God, man. Wow, that is perfect. Thank you. Um, that is, that is perfect.
0: All right, man. Well, let's uh, you know, doesn't have to be on the air, but this is like a nice way to kind of retake contact with Yeah. People. No, it is.
1: It is, yeah. No, thanks, man. This was this was really nice actually. To be honest, I sort of forgot in the middle that we were we were recording. I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, so, oh, well, yeah, of course. I hope it was all right. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I hope I hope well, anyway. I hope I hope it flows okay.
1: I forgot that this was, yeah.
0: But yeah, this was really nice, man. One last thing. You have to sign off. Say the name of the show. Oh, that's right. Okay. Rich Rich Chocolatey Goodness. Rich Chocolatey Goodness is produced by Benjamin Morse and Pedro Escobar. We'd like to thank our guest, Nabil
1: Iqbal, who can be found online at his website, NabilIqbal.com. The Palestinian Physics School was organized through Scientists, the number four, Palestine.com. Music by Marco Moreno with a little help from Pedro. Photos and links from this episode can be found on Instagram and Facebook at Rich Chocolaty Goodness. Be sure to follow us to get all the Rich Chocolaty updates and subscribe on iTunes
0: or Spotify for brand new goodness delivered to you every other Sunday. And if you like what you heard, please leave a comment and rating. It is very helpful and greatly appreciated.